0: Lord together. He is worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Lord, we pray that we will walk in faith, God, that we will trust in your goodness and your promises, God, for your good. You have shown yourself faithful time and time again. Even when we are faithless, you are faithful. We worship you. You are worthy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Hey, hey. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing well. I am so excited to be here with you again today. Uh, There is so much going on, like, in our world and all over the place, and in our country, and uh, in every city, and uh, it's just getting crazy. I hope you're you're still uh, using your, um, what I have is uh, um, sponge outlet juice. Keep yourself nice and uh, protected, clean, kill those germs off, and uh, keep yourself safe, and also wearing our masks every chance we get, wherever we go, keep that mask handy, use it, stay safe, keep others safe. Do it for yourself. Do it for the people around you. Uh, We are uh, creating a prayer wall during uh, this end of the year as we move into 2021. Uh, So we want to end this year, and most of us want to end it very quickly, and we want to begin the next year uh, in prayer and really praying for this country, praying for our nation, praying for uh, the world, praying for the church, praying for God to use us in the midst of Everything that's going on, most of it not very good, Uh, most of it downright evil. Uh, But God wants to use us. We we have been talking about what's going on in our world and what Jesus said about it, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. But but uh, if you have a prayer need, if you have a prayer uh, request, something you want me to put on our prayer wall that we can pray about for you, just send me a note, send me an email, send me a text, whatever you want. I'll make sure we print it out and we put it on that wall and. Uh, people will be praying for the things that are on that wall. now we're just going to give those things to God. Let him do what he wants with it. Several things going on. We're collecting um, uh, uh, shoeboxes full of goodies for kids all over the world. Operation Christmas Child. Get involved in that with us. On the 31st, which is Halloween night, at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a drive-through trunk or treat. So please, tell your friends, if you live in this area, in the Burlington, North Carolina area, tell your friends, your neighbors, come on through. Get a bag of candy for your kids we'll have some fun and uh we'll just let everybody kind of have uh, some normality a little bit of normality on that day it's a saturday uh come on by from four to six and enjoy that with us and uh finally the bombers the bcc bombers are back in action uh we'll be playing on tuesday nights beginning next week and uh looking forward to that men's softball and uh we're gonna have a good time with that well, we're talking about when the going gets tough And uh, we've been looking at people who struggle with different things in their world, in their life. We have used a passage out of James as our springboard. And James gave us three key principles that we have got to keep in mind when it comes to this. When it comes to the going, getting to, you know, when things are good, we're fine right? When things are good, we're happy, we're go lucky, we feel positive, we feel confident, everything's wonderful, wonderful. But life isn't like that most of the time. Most of the time, things are coming against us. Sickness, disease, death, all kinds of stuff are hitting us from every direction. Work, attitudes, feelings, stomach sickness, Burger King, you know, stuff that we eat. Just, you know, there's a mixture of life. When things get Get tough when things when the going gets tough. James said there's three things to keep in mind. One, keep a positive mindset. Keep a good outlook. that That there needs to be a sense of joy. Uh, Consider it pure joy. James said. He said because. Trials are coming, lots of different trials from all different directions. They're coming and they're going to keep on coming. We live in this world, they're going to come. And then he said, remember that these trials are producing in you uh, maturity, completion, not lacking anything, that God is using them for your good, to build you up, to make you strong and to make you more committed, more faithful, more usable, more uh, bright as a light. In this world for his glory. I'm excited about that, you know? Because, like, when you begin to pray, God, use me for your glory, which is what we ought to be praying, God's gonna say, okay, but you better hang on. Tough times are gonna come. You keep a smile on your face, let them come, and then let me use them to make you better, to make you stronger to use you as a witness and a testimony in the world around you for their good. Let me use you for their good. And, and, and many trials that we face are, are not even for us necessarily, even though God can do good in them for us. There are a lot of times for the people that are watching us, the people around us, how we can impact them. Keep your head on straight. And so what we move to now in as we wrap up this series is what Jesus says about when the going gets tough. Because Jesus said some direct things to us as people and to the disciples about tough times. Last week, Jesus said this He said, tough times are going to come. They are going to come 100% guarantee. You are not going to escape them. They are coming for you. They are going to come. Consider pure joy. They're coming. They're going to produce in you good things, okay? So, so it's a promise. Jesus told us they're coming. Well, this week, this week, Jesus says this to us. They will try to destroy you. Not only are tough times going to come, but some of these tough times are going to try and destroy you, like destroy you, like crush you, okay? Okay? That doesn't sound like fun. But Jesus tells us the New Testament is very clear. Scripture, Paul, Peter, the apostles, they all tell us, James, they are going to come and they're going to try to destroy you. And some of these attacks will be very vicious. Jesus tells us this very clearly. Check this out in John's Gospel, John chapter 10, this great passage about the shepherd and the sheep and the gate and the pen and the wolf and the thieves, this great contrast that we see in John 10 between good and evil is very clear. And Jesus says this in John 10, verse 10, look what he says. The thief, who is the enemy, he's Satan, he's going to use lots of different tactics. The thief comes only, only, not, not for other reasons. He comes for one reason. And his reason is to steal and to kill and to destroy you. That's what the thief, that's what the devil, that's what Satan is trying to do on this earth. You are a part of the creation of God. He has made you in his very image. And Satan is out to get and attack anything that belongs to God especially the souls of man. Satan doesn't care about the animals. He doesn't care about your car or your house. He will use everything and anything to get at you. He is concerned about stealing and robbing and killing your soul. He wants to take you down. He wants to rip you apart from your creator. That's what Satan is up to do, up, 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 up for. That's what he's trying to do in our lives. He is here to steal, kill, And destroy you. Jesus says, But I have come, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So when it comes to tough times, when it comes to tough times, trials and attacks and temptations, some of them, some of them are are just part of life. Some of the things that we face in life that are not fun, that are no good, are just part of living in a broken world, like life happens, okay? We understand life happens, and sometimes it's not very comfortable when these things happen. Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation, right? Jesus said that very clearly. In this world, you're going to have troubles, He spoke of natural disasters, he spoke of sickness, and he spoke of catastrophes. And the scripture says that the creation itself moans as if in childbirth, or the pains of childbirth. The whole creation. And so we feel the effects... all of us do, of sin and brokenness in this world. We know that this world is broken and it is full of natural problems. Life happens to all of us. But some of these trials and tribulations are straight from the pit of the evil one. Some of these are directly from the devil. He is out to get you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. Paul writes, he says, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, not against the physical things of this earth. They are just tools and weapons in the hands of those who are in spiritual dark places using them to get at you, to cause you to stumble, to attack you. We are up against not flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces in heavenly Places, in places that we can't see, in the spirit realm, authorities, rulers, powers of darkness, and forces of evil, he says there in Ephesians chapter 6. This is what we call spiritual warfare. Some of these attacks are straight from the pit of hell, and they're coming up against you. Revelation's chapter 12 verse 9 says this that that in the past at some point in the past there was a great war in heaven before mankind before uh we came on the scene but there was this great war and the great dragon the great dragon was thrown down onto the earth read it Revelation's chapter 12 verse 9 the great dragon was thrown down onto the earth the great dragon and his angels And the great dragon is that ancient serpent. it says right there in the passage, the ancient serpent who is the devil, okay, Satan was tossed out of heaven because he rebelled against the God of all creation. And he was cast down onto the earth. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of unbelievers, right? The God of this age, that is the God of this world. He's not talking about the cosmos, the whole universe, or the whole created order of God. He's talking about the boundaries of planet Earth. He was hurled down. He is the God of this age, and he has blinded the people of this planet, the present, here, and now, for now. Small g, little g, God, the God of this age. While God said these things are coming, and he will use them to build you up and he will use them for his glory and he will use these attacks to make you strong and to take you to completion, not lacking anything. The devil, the devil wants to use every trial, every temptation, and every tribulation that you find that you fight to throw you off. He's going to be working in them to get you off your game. He's trying to capture your attention. He's trying to lead you astray. He's trying to destroy you. He's hoping, what he's hoping is that you will forfeit your soul. That you will give in and sell your very soul. That you will begin to follow the ways of the evilness of this planet. That you will sell your soul for a lie. That you will give in. From the truth and you'll begin to follow the ways of the world because they feel good or they seem right to lots of people and the multitudes are moving in that direction and the deceitfulness and the lies that you're hearing will just suck you in and you'll begin to follow the crowd as it marches off the cliff to eternal destruction. That's what the devil is striving to to do. This is his goal. And Jesus clearly warns us. I want to look at this passage in John 10 a little bit closer, okay? We're going to look at these verses a little bit closer, and then we're going to draw some some um, some application, okay? That's what we're going to do today. So in John chapter 10, the first few verses, look what uh, John says. Jesus says this very, very uh, truly. I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief And a robber, the one who enters by the gate, is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So, real quick, a couple things Jesus points out is this idea of the gate. That there is a gate, and people who enter through the gate are true, are true and right, and 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 right with God. They have come in the correct way. They have come in the way that God has said to enter into the, the fold of God. They have come through the gate. But others who climb in or try to get in through other ways, they are thieves and they are robbers. They are not the shepherd. They are not true sheep. They are deceitful and they are liars. They claim to be followers. They claim to be religious. They claim to know Jesus, but they are liars. They they have one thing in mind. They are being used by the enemy to to rob, steal, and destroy, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what they're up against. That's what they're trying to do. Jesus says then, my sheep, my sheep. Listen to my voice. They hear my voice. They understand my voice. They know what my voice sounds like. How does that happen? By knowing Jesus, by knowing the shepherd, by spending time in the word of God, by knowing what Jesus says and how God feels and what he thinks, knowing the mind of Christ. So when you hear the the shepherd's voice, you understand it's the shepherd. And they don't listen to other voices because they know that they're false voices. So they know truth. And they spot lies very clearly when they hear them. How important is that for you and me as we live on this earth to study the word of God, to know what Jesus says, to know his heart, to know his words, so that when these things happen in our life around us, we clearly see where they're coming from. And then he says very clearly, they know my voice. Here we go. Verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. If I'm the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So look what Jesus says. He says, clearly, I'm the gate. The only way into the fold of God and to be in a part of the kingdom of God for us humans here on this planet is to come through Jesus. And how do we do that? We receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. We accept his death on the cross as the punishment that we deserve to pay. And his blood covers us and forgives us of our sins. We are baptized, immersed into Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we are in baptism. We are buried with Christ in his death, and then we come out of the water and we're raised with him in a newness of life, just like Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That's what we do in baptism. That's why it's so important. That's why we need to do that. It's why we need to give our life to Christ, accept him as Lord, and be immersed into Jesus. He says, the thief, thieves and the robbers, they come. They are not true. They are false teachers. And he says, I am the gate. Whoever comes through me, will be saved. See, that's our confidence. That's our power. That's where we're headed in Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 10, our passage, the thief comes again only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that you will have life and have it to the fullest. And we're not just talking about life to the fullest on this planet because this planet is so temporary and so small and really, in the end, in the scope of eternity, very insignificant. We think everything on the planet is so big. We think when things happen to our loved ones or us, we, we, you know, in our minds, we think, whoa, this is a catastrophe. This is horrible. This is so big. But really, in light of eternity, which is forever, everything that happens on this planet is so small. Whatever happens to you in light of heaven and and hell is so small. And God wants us to have a perspective that sees what really is important, eternal things, and see what really is very small, physical things, flesh and blood things, the things of this earth. Whatever happens to you on this planet, in the end, is going to be so small. Like, none of us remember what happened to us when we were in kindergarten or second grade, unless it was some traumatic experience. Most of us don't remember getting out of bed. We don't remember what we ate. We don't remember what we wore. We don't remember what we looked like, unless we see some pictures of ourselves. But without those pictures, you wouldn't even remember it. It's so small. It it, it doesn't matter anymore. You understand? You know what I mean? So, So that's what heaven is going to be like. When we finally get there and we look back on this earth, no matter what happened to us, how bad it seemed at the time, it's so, so very small. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, here's what the good shepherd does. Here's a contrast between the the thief and the robbers and the deceitful liars, Satan himself, and the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand He's not the shepherd and he does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. He's talking about false teachers. He's talking about people who come into the church that are thieves and robbers, that don't really care about the flock, they only care about their own selfish gain and he compares that to himself as a good shepherd he will lay his life down for you and he did others will not they don't care that much about you the good shepherd does i am the good shepherd jesus says i know my sheep and guess what my sheep they know me and so it begs the question today do you know the shepherd do you know the shepherd he knows you do you know him Are you striving by studying the word of God, by praying to God, by seeking his faith, by striving to be faithful and honor God with everything that you say and everything that you do and every act that you are a part of and the things that you you engage in in this world? Are you saying to God that you want to know the shepherd? I hope to God you are. I hope that the Lord will help you draw close to him and honor him in all that you are and all that you say that you are, that you will be honest with God and truthful with God and honest with yourself, and you will be the kind of witness and testimony to the world that God is looking for in us. He says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as the father, who is the gatekeeper, The Father knows me and I know the Father the same way they know each other. God wants to know you. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. He's not talking about aliens from another planet somewhere. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. Primarily Jesus came for the Jews, but the time would come in the book of Acts where the door would be open to the Gentiles. They are the other sheep that are not of the Jewish pen, but they are going to come in. I will bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. That's you and me, Gentiles. And there shall be one flock. So the two are going to become one. He's going to break down the barrier, the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles. And he's going to make one flock with one shepherd. Okay, Jews and Gentiles together. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. Only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for you. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Isn't that an amazing, powerful statement? Jesus says, I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to rise from the dead. And Jesus gives us as we come into Christ, as we give our life to him, he gives us authority even over death. If you have authority through Christ over death, then what's a little sickness? What's a little disease? What's a little virus? What's Whatever happens to you on this planet, what is that in comparison to the authority you have over death through Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, nothing compares to what you have in Jesus Jesus clearly battled evil. He dealt with the devil, even while on this earth. Prior to this earth, he deals with the devil On this earth, Jesus dealt with the devil on a number of occasions. Remember Matthew 4. Jesus is taken off into the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. He fasts, and he is tempted by the evil one during that period of time. In John 8, Jesus deals with the religious leaders, and you know what he calls them? He calls them sons of the devil because they want to do what their father, the devil, wants them to do. They are liars. And they've been liars from the beginning, just like their father, the father of all lies, the devil, right? So Jesus dealt with the devil, he dealt with evil, he dealt with people who were possessed by evil as well. And he, he showed and demonstrated his power and his authority over them. Others did too. Do you remember Job? Satan came to God and said, you give me Job, let me throw some things at Job and he will curse you. He will not be faithful to you. Let me take away what you've given him. And God gave him permission to do that, to attack him. And Satan went to work on Job and never did Job ever turn away from his faithfulness to God. Jesus said that a great rift will come, that this great divide is going to come in this world, a great contrast between light and darkness, between right and wrong, between a truth, the truth and a lie, between righteousness and ungodliness. And this will cause, this rift will cause division. It'll cause division. Family members, Uh, will come up against other family members. A rift will happen because of Jesus, because some will believe in Jesus and the truth and who he is, and others want to carry out the devil's plan. They are robbers and thieves, or they have been deceived into thinking like the enemy. and They're being used by Satan to come up against the things of God and the truths of God, whether they realize it or not. Isn't the point, the fact is, if you're not following God consciously, faithfully, and with all your heart and mind, you are being led away by another spirit, and it is not the spirit of God. It is only the spirit of the world, or the evil one. There's only two spirits moving in people's lives, and if you aren't consciously serving the Lord, you are unconsciously serving the evil and the devil and the world and the systems of this world many will fall many are going to fall many will be deceived because because they have no roots in jesus remember the 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 parable of the the farmer in mark uh the farmer went out to sow seeds remember seed fell on different places And some of the seed fell on rocky road where there was a lot of rocks and dirt and it was hard. And other uh, seed fell on the path where there was no depth. It was hard and packed down. And the birds came and ate it up or the sun came and scorched it out because there were no roots. There was no roots in the soil. There was no depth in Jesus. And the same is truth about a person who is not rooted in Christ. They will fall away. What they once maybe had will be ripped away from them, stolen quickly. It will be just scorched away or picked apart by the world or the temptations of this world. And it'll be very easy for them to say, see, God's not real because look what happened to me. And they will be judging an eternal God based on fleshly things. It's not even close. It's a it's a it's 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 a very limited view to think that this world is all there is, to think that the physical things that happen to us are the climax of life. They are not, they are the valleys of life. The climax of life is Jesus and eternal life in Christ and heaven and what is to come. That's where it's at. Everything else is small. And these people who are not rooted in Christ will fall away, they will give in to the lie. There is a great divide or a great contrast between a fallen evil one who seeks to bring God's creation down, the devil who will, who has come to kill, destroy, and steal. And there's a great divide between him and the God of all creation who, who has in his redeeming work sent his son Jesus, his only son Jesus, to this earth and desires all people, all men, to be saved and rescued and come to the knowledge of his son, who is the truth. God's desire, on one hand is that we all come to know him. And the devil's desire, on the other hand, is that he steals from God and he kills from God and he destroys anything he can from God. And this is what's going on. This is the battle. So what is our response? What is our response going to be? What do we do? What are we going to do? Jesus said, these tough times and trials and tribulations, they will try to destroy you. Here's what we're going to do. As we go about living our lives on this earth, as we go about striving to honor Jesus with our life, as we continue to live in a fallen world, a broken world, as we watch for the attacks around us coming up against us, we're going to do some things. I want to encourage you in these things. It's kind of like, it's kind of like having a workshop. I have a workshop out back and uh, the other day I went outside and there is this possum and he's dead and he's in my yard. Dead possum. He hasn't been mangled by a fox he hasn't been eaten by a dog he looks like he's in whole shape he's just dead and i could see that he's dragged himself in the grass and now he's just laying there dead and so now i'm thinking well i walk up to him and i poke him a little bit with a stick and he doesn't move because he is a possum and they do fake pretty well but he doesn't move he's clearly dead and i begin to think what in the world killed this possum And the only thing I could think is that there's got to be a poisonous snake somewhere around my workshop, probably living under it, maybe living climbing in it. It's not airtight by any means. So I have to now, when I go into my workshop to do some work, I have to look around. I have to be a little more alert. I have to be aware of the fact that there might be a snake, a poisonous one nearby. And I really just don't want to get bit on the leg by a snake. And so when I walk in there, I check things out. I'm more alert about what's going on around me. And then I go to work. And I, go, I do what I got to do in my workshop. And the same is true about this earth. This is the response. We understand that we live in a world of serpents and snakes. And we don't know where they're going to pop out from or where they're going to come from, where the attack's going to come from. And not everything that happens to you is of, of evil consequence trying to drag you down to hell. But, but some are. Some are. And the devil is using things. Some things just happen because we live in the planet, but other things happen because the devil is trying to destroy you and kill and and steal from you, steal from God. And so we go at it. We got to go at our work like we would normally go at it. We just are going to be a little more alert about what's going on. So number one, here's what we're going to do. That's we're alert as we face these things. One thing we're going to do is we're going to wrap our mind around what's coming. We're going to wrap our head around what's coming that heaven is our future for sure and we look forward to that one day we're going to go there and be with Jesus forever and ever and ever and those who love Jesus are going to be there as well but for right now we are in enemy enemy territory and we're going to wrap our mind around the fact that we are in enemy territory remember in genesis chapter 50 joseph is sold as a slave joseph coat of many colors joseph Loved by his father. Joseph has a number of brothers. And guess what? The brothers, they don't like him. They hate him. You know, I got a bunch of brothers. I don't think they ever hated me so much that they wanted me dead. I hope. Did you guys? Okay, good. Uh, but these brothers, they wanted Joseph dead. And, and so so one of them says, let's just sell him off as a slave. And so they sell their, their brother off as a slave to Egypt. And Joseph goes down to Egypt and he starts as on a low. He's a slave in Egypt. But God works in Joseph's life. He's he's able to to, um, interpret dreams and visions. And so Joseph, slowly in the kingdom of Egypt, rises to greatness. And he becomes in charge of all of Egypt because a famine was going to come in the near future. And Joseph was able to tell the the king that this was going to happen. And they began to prepare for the days of famine. And so it's an amazing story. And so... The brothers travel to Egypt because the famine is now here and they go there for food. And what they end up running into is their brother, but they didn't know it's him. And so finally, as the story unfolds, he reveals himself to his brothers and he tells them who he is and that he is in charge of Egypt. And now he has his brothers right there in front of him, the ones that sold him and wanted him dead. And he could have had them all executed right there on the spot. And he could have got his revenge. But Joseph has his mind on God. He is thinking about God. He isn't worried about the circumstance that got him to where he is. He has his mind on God. And Joseph says two things in this passage in in Genesis 48, 49, and 50, that I think are very impressive. One of the things Joseph says is that God sent me to Egypt ahead of you. Now, his brothers sold him as a slave. They hated his guts. But Joseph's perspective is that God put me here ahead of you because through Joseph, God was not only saving his family, but he was sparing all of Israel. Israel is preserved because Joseph is now in charge in Egypt and his brothers sold him into slavery there. The evil Joseph saw as an opportunity, which is another thing that Joseph said. He said, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. Now that is so impressive, isn't it? I mean, in Joseph's mind, he saw everything through God's perspective and what joseph saw was opportunity he didn't fall into depression he didn't he didn't like could let it stress him out he didn't worry about it he didn't like fall you know through the cracks because his brothers sold him as a slave his mind was on god and he kept it there and god used it for good the same storm that crushes some people causes others to become strong it's all about your perspective it's all about your attitude first peter five says be alert and sober mind your your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings you are not alone you are not alone in this battle The enemy is going to attack. He wants to destroy you. And what we need to do is wrap our mind around the fact that that is what's going to happen. It's going to come at you, tough times. Keep your heart and your mind on God. Number two, the second thing Jesus would tell us in light of the fact that troubles are coming and that they're going to get intense and that the devil's plan is to destroy you, Jesus would say this to you, it's a big bluff. It's all a big bluff. It's a big smoke screen. The enemy is just talking a big game, but he is unable to back it up. And that, my friend, is the truth. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's going to send them out to preach. He's preparing them for the attacks of the evil one and the world and the devil. And he says to them, If they called me Beelzebub." which means like chief of Satan or chief of the the evil spirits, if they call me that, Jesus is saying to them, they're going to probably call you worse things. So be ready for that to happen. Verse 26, look, look what Jesus says, Matthew 10, verse 26, Jesus says, so do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roof's. Verse 28, check it out. do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. Do you see what Jesus is saying to them? He's saying to them, "God is the only one who has authority over body and soul. Now the, the devil, the devil can wreak havoc. He can wreak havoc in your life. He can jack you up, and he can throw all kinds of stuff and ruin your day. He can mess around with the physical and the flesh, but he cannot touch your soul. He can impact your body, but he cannot touch your soul. Only God has power and authority over your soul, over both body and soul. And so Jesus is saying to them, the devil is a cheap A cheap magician who uses sleight of hand to try to make you think that he has power that he doesn't have. They will try to destroy you. But what we're hanging on, you and I, is this. Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Do you see what Paul says? Paul says, you know, all these trials, all these tribulations, they can't touch you. In the end, they can't touch your soul. They can't touch your eternity. They can only impact the physical life around you. They can only get you down in the flesh. They cannot touch your soul. And Paul says, you know what? We face death all day long. We are like those sheep sent out to slaughter. That's what we are. And Paul's okay with that. He understands that. He says like... Nothing can take away what you have in Jesus. Nothing can separate you. The devil can't touch that. He's only bluffing. He only is talking this big game, acting like he can when he cannot. See, the evil or the the enemy will attempt to crush you. But in Jesus Christ, you and I are more than conquerors. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Guess what? Guess what? Jesus says, resist the devil. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and guess what? He's going to tuck his tail, and he's going to run. Why? Because he's a chump. And in the end, that's what bullies do. They run away when you stand up to them. When you submit yourself to God, and you resist the enemy, he's going to tuck and run because he knows that the one backing you is so much more powerful than he is, and he don't want any part of God. He doesn't want any part of what you have. It's a big, fat bluff. Number three... God will use every trial for your good, right? Every trial God's going to use for your good, God is using all things for our good. In Romans 10, it says, nothing, uh, no temptation is overtaken you that what is uh, is common to man, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape. God will use everything coming up against you for his glory. He is at work using even the work of Satan to build his kingdom. Hang tough. Trust the creator. God is using it for your good. Trust him in it. And the last thing is this. Take heart. Jesus has overcome the world, right? In John 16, Jesus is sharing with the disciples that they will be attacked. Already mentioned this. And he was going back to the father in John 16. And that judgment was going to come. And that there was a lot more that he wanted to say to them. And he said that their sorrow, he said, your sorrow, maybe things that are getting you down now, is going to be turned to joy. That is going to happen. It's a promise. And then Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? You will have trouble. Then he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world isn't that the promise that we need to bank on today no matter what happens in this world it is going to be trouble troubles are going to come the devil is going to try to crush you and destroy you. That's what he's trying to do, destroy you. Jesus says, yes, you're going to have trouble in this world. It's not going to be fun at times. But Jesus says, hang on to me, because in the end, I overcome the world. And you will overcome the world if you just hang on to Jesus, right? Tough times. Jesus. Said, here's what Jesus said about when the going gets tough. Tough times are coming. That's what he said last week. This week, they will try to destroy you. They will try to destroy you, but he can't. The devil can cannot touch your soul. He can only throw like physical obstacles and roadblocks into your path, hoping to distract you, hoping to discourage you, hoping to get you off track. But guess what? We are wise to this. We are wise to what he is up to. And we will hold on to Jesus. And we will see every attack as an opportunity. When the going gets tough, when the going gets tough, draw close to Jesus. Draw close to Jesus. The devil wants to destroy you, but Jesus came to give us life. Isn't that awesome? That's so awesome.